0: Today on CityCast Boise, Idaho is pretty used to getting embarrassed in national media for cranking out far-right extremist figures. But in last month's Republican primary, extremists who were hoping to win statewide elections lost big time, for the most part. But that doesn't mean the legislature won't drive Boise liberals nuts next year. To find out who's having a moment and who's been kicked to the curb in Idaho's GOP, I'm talking with two local reporters who keep a close eye on the statehouse. Heath Drusen hosts the Extremely American podcast, and James Dawson, also known as Jimmy, covers politics for Boise State Public Radio. It's Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. I'm Frankie Barnhill, and this is CityCast Boise. Okay. Jimmy, would you mind setting this up for us? What was this election about? What was at stake? And, you know, what happened in the end?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this was the first major election that Idaho's had had, uh, you know, since the pandemic started. In the governor's race, you saw uh, Janice McGeehan and others attacking uh, Brad Little's record on whether he kept businesses closed too long, even though Idaho was one of the first states to really kind of come out of the pandemic with really hardly any public health restrictions whatsoever. And so, you know, you had that uh, bubbling under the surface. You had uh, the far right really attacking those statewide offices hard, as well as a a bunch of legislative seats where incumbents lost, Uh, not to mention that there was redistricting. Uh, So it was just a whole mishmash of these undercurrents and themes that uh, all came to a head last month.
0: And Heath, you've, of course, been covering this kind of from more of a national perspective. Um, talk to us about how the Idaho GOP primary fits into the, the national picture.
2: I mean, you, you've kind of seen the far right become emboldened across the country. Um, and that's translated into a lot of candidates with views that just a few years ago probably would have been really fringe uh, running for office and and being competitive. And I think a lot of people looked at Idaho this primary election as a bit of a laboratory for the far right. Um, you know you had a slate of candidates running for five major statewide offices, including governor. Um, and in most of the cases, they were either running against incumbents or they were running against sort of establishment favorites who who had the backing of, of more longtime politicians here. So it really was an attempt in Idaho to kind of take over the levers of government. And you saw a lot of national interest in that because I think a lot of people thought if that was successful, then that might uh, bode well for the far right in other states.
0: Right, right. Well, okay. so so what ended up happening? Did the far right and those statewide races, um, did they end up coming out on top?
1: Statewide, not really. Uh, it, it was pretty much a disaster for them in in that regard. Uh, you know, you had Janice McGeehan, the current lieutenant governor, losing by you know twenty some points uh, in her race against Brad Little. It was closer in the lieutenant governor's race between the uh, current House Speaker Scott Bedke and uh, Priscilla Giddings, who people might remember that she was censured by the House last year for essentially doxing a, a rape victim. Uh, but they, they did win, you know, the AG's race with uh, former Congressman Raul Labrador unseating, uh, what, five-time incumbent Lawrence Wasden. Uh, but they had far more success uh, legislatively that we can talk about later.
0: Yeah. So let's let's zoom in on that a little bit. Um, specifically, I'd love to hear about anything in the Boise Metro in, in terms of who will likely be representing districts uh, in the Boise Metro and the Treasure Valley. Uh, Heath, anything there?
2: Um, yeah. I mean, so actually what one of the races that's interesting in the Boise area is sort of The exception to the rule where the primary is uh, the election, Um, there's just a handful where you've actually got competitive districts. And um, one of them was represented by a very moderate Republican, Fred Martin, um, and he got beaten pretty soundly by a far-right challenger. Now, this is a district in Boise that Fred Martin, uh, I believe he won by six votes. I mean, it was... Crazy close margin last time against a Democrat, but um, but the interesting thing about that outcome is it actually might make the race even more competitive for Democrats. I mean, we'll see. But in this district, uh, it's it's not clear how a far right candidate's going to fare in a general election. Um, so that's a very unique race. But there were also several other races around the valley where you saw far right candidates uh, take out some big targets. Uh, Greg Cheney, uh, another moderate Republican who really was hated by the far right. Uh, he got beaten as well. Um, and just to just to bring it back quickly to the statewide races, I will say, you know, the statewide races, they they basically lost four out of five. The far right lost four out of five. And I do think nationally that might have a bigger impact uh, on kind of the outlook for far right takeovers of government.
0: Yeah. I mean, I want to linker on that with you, Keith, because, right, what does this mean? They got pretty soundly beaten, as you said. Um, and what is what I guess? Did anything surprise you when it comes to far right candidates um, not winning or or coming out on top, but mostly not winning?
2: Um, so I, I, I was a little surprised at how badly they lost, but I think it's an example of, you know, the national media likes to to glom onto these stories and talk about these extreme candidates and make it sound like they are representative of Idaho because I think it's a fun storyline for them. Right. But I do think this election showed that they have a rabid base, but it's a limited base. And they do struggle to reach out past that base to get more popular support. Because remember, Janice McGeehan, who's sort of the unofficial leader of this group, she got beat by 20 points in a primary where I believe the overall turnout was still only something like 32 percent. Um, So that's really not a huge base of support. Um, and it sometimes gets, I, I think, exaggerated a little bit.
1: I, I think that's true. But I also think that, you know, when we're talking about, you know, characterizing this as a as a loss or a win uh, for the far right. This is where Heath and I kind of disagree where it's like, okay, maybe the symbolism of it is that they lost the statewide races. But what's more important, the symbolism or the actual legislative effect uh, when you have these bills that are passing uh, now with a much more conservative Senate? Uh, So, I mean, what's more important, again, uh, symbolism or the actual outcome of what you're trying to achieve?
0: I definitely want to have you two debate on that in just a minute. So uh, let's pause we're, that. We're grading Jimmy. on a
2: sliding curve in Idaho <laughs> when it comes to how conservative people are. <laughs>
0: right. We all we always do. Right. That's that's the Idaho way. In this uh, in this context, I, I wondered, Heath. Do you think is it a far right failure in the ideology, or was it flawed candidates?
2: Oh, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I. I, I you know people people like to to think that Idaho is just a bunch of super you know fringe far-right people. But Idaho as a state, has some pretty nuanced views on things. Um, and you know, there there are certain things like public education that Idahoans really seem to value that frankly, far-right candidates don't. And and I don't think that plays well with a lot of voters. Um and I do think uh, some of the more extreme views, Ah, uh, probably did bother voters. You know, Janice McGeehan is was basically talking about federal land not really uh, being per the purview of the federal government. Now, plenty of people in Idaho have issues with the federal government, but people like their public lands, and that's not a Democrat or a Republican thing. So, yes, I do think I do think some of the views were just a bridge too far for a lot of voters, and I think that just showed sort of the limits of the appeal of this. Extreme far right ideology.
0: Yeah, just to note, this is one of the reasons why I'm just so thankful for both of you and your local reporting because it really does uh, draw out the nuances uh, in Idaho state politics where national reporting, they, you know, it just doesn't come through with those articles that we see on uh, national outlets. Um, Okay, I I want you guys to debate a little bit with this next one. And, And Jimmy, you mentioned this earlier, but When it comes to what's more important, these statewide races or the legislative ones, uh, what do you think is more important uh, for folks who live here in Idaho? Um, Heath, I want your take first, and then, Jimmy, I'd love your follow-up.
2: So I I don't totally disagree with Jimmy, actually. Um, uh, I know that's less fun. but um, I wanted to debate you guys. (laughs) Come on, man. I do... (laughs) So I do think the statewide races maybe have more of an impact, but it's a, it's less tangible, less quickly. Um, so, well, first of all, the governor has a huge impact. I mean, the governor, uh, you know, the, the the governor sets an agenda. So, so that I mean, that race, that race, I think everybody agrees was hugely important. Um, whether Janice McGeehan or Brad Little One, that was going to change the the trajectory of Idaho politics if if Janice McGeehan uh, upset him. Um, I will say, like the lieutenant governor, not a very important position tangibly, but a launching pad for for higher office. Uh, a lot of lieutenant governors seem to end up in more powerful positions eventually, governor, senator. Um, so, but now secretary of state, you know that's interesting. Uh, we've seen secretary of states become really important as uh, a lot of republicans have falsely said that there's voter fraud across the country and we've seen that in Idaho too now um would that mean that a Secretary of State in Idaho would sort of invalidate votes to stop a Democrat from winning? Probably not, because Democrats don't really win. But you know, who knows? I, I don't know what the master plan is here. If a if a far right Secretary of State got in and thinks that far right candidates are are you know uh, getting a raw deal, you know, then you start to see the Secretary of State be important. So I I, I do think the statewide races sort of playing the long game are very important. Day to day for Idaho legislatively, I do think that it's true that the more conservative Senate, we're going to see we're going to see the culture wars just be even more front and center this session. And as long as Brad Little does win the general election, it's going to be a real test of how many bills he wants to veto. and, how much he wants to stand up to to the legislature, he certainly he he had a lot of scrapes with the house already, um, and you know the house is still going to be conservative, so we'll we'll see. I think I think there's going to be some interesting inter Republican fights.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I don't disagree that the statewide offices are obviously important, and you bring up an interesting point, Heath, too, with. Uh, you know, how much is Brad Little going to stand up to them if he wins re-election in November, since we've seen a whole lot of conservative legislation, for example, you know, the uh, transgender sports bill uh, that passed a couple of years ago, we have, you know, the abortion trigger law that passed this year, one of two that Idaho has uh, in effect right now. Uh, where Brad Little writes these letters essentially sounding like, oh, I really don't agree with this, and I think it's completely unconstitutional, but I'm signing it anyway. You know, are we going to see more of those, uh, or is he going to actually take the hard line uh, now that he is at least set up for another four years in office and say, nah, I'm good, bro. Like, boom, stamp it.
0: No, I'm good, bro. I hope that's his new stamp.
1: Right? Yeah, you should <laughs> I'd love uh, to see that. <laughs> you should definitely bring that up with uh, with his staff.
0: Maybe yeah. that's the
2: general <laughs> campaign motto. <laughs>
0: um, OK, so we've been focused on the Republican primary because as we've been talking about, that's basically the election here in in Idaho. It's all important. So, okay, do the Dems stand a chance in hell? Like, are there any Dems who are going to make a dent this this year? Um, What do you think, Jimmy? And then Heath, I want to hear both of your takes. What's going on with the Democrats?
1: Uh, Short answer, no. You know, looking at my spreadsheet from election night, uh, Democrats only ran in 45 races and 13 of those were incumbents. And so you only had 30 percent of races contested by Democrats challenging incumbents are going for open seats. So, I mean, if you're not even fielding candidates for those spots, I mean, what are you doing? You know, so it's not easy, but you can't expect to really make any inroads if you're not even going to try.
2: Heath, what do you think? I mean, look, the Idaho Democrats have a built in huge disadvantage. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to pretend that, you know, if they just tried harder then they they'd win these races because because, you know, in most cases, it's not true. But as Jimmy points out, I mean, I I do think that they're a bit adrift, I I think they could be doing more. And as we've seen in the US, you know, politics change, right? Idaho is ruby red, and I don't think Idaho is going to flip anytime soon. But if you don't lay that groundwork and you're not even filling your own sort of precinct commissions, you're not even basically staffing your party, um, well, then you're definitely never going to gain ground. And so I don't know. You know, I don't know what their long-term plan is, and I'm not sure they know what their long-term plan is. And I think, you know, that really showed in the Democratic governor's primary where the candidate who is assumed to be sort of the main candidate, Shelby Rodstad, um, the, the mayor of Sandpoint, he forgot to change his registration from Republican to Democrat. He got caught. Those are the rules. And then he kind of made an excuse for it and did this writing campaign, which did not come close to succeeding. And we, and we should and, say
1: that excuse was he blamed it on uh, the Republican secretary of state. It wasn't correct. it wasn't that, you know, he didn't have enough time or whatever. He filed Oof. his paperwork, you know, the Friday of the deadline, the actual last day to do it. And then, right. you know, just uh, didn't
2: didn't meet the deadline. Oof. Yeah. I think that's 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 a bit of a symbol of the uh, some disarray uh, over there in the the democratic camp.
0: I would love to end and uh, wrap up this conversation with just okay, what gets you psyched about local politics and statewide politics? What makes you, you know, really want to dig in? I know Jimmy, you mentioned spreadsheets, <laughs> but there's also all these stories, right? Um uh, behind the data. So, what gets you psyched? Why care about this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and maybe this is why Heath and I <laughs> somewhat disagree on on the like statewide and bigger races versus like the nitty gritty ones. And it's like, I don't know, I just nerd out on those because uh, they are the ones, uh, the, the down ballot races that actually affect us the most. I mean, you know, you think about things that you can and can't do in your daily life, and most of those come down to uh, decisions made by your city council, your county commission, Uh, And your state legislature. And so those are the races that I feel, you know, matter significantly in going through your your daily routine. And so those are the stories that I I like to tell. And that's why I've always been interested in in more local and state politics versus, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) the black hole that's Congress.
2: I mean, I one of the biggest takeaways that, that I had from uh, doing uh, the podcast, Extremely American, was how important local politics are. Forget about the legislature. That's important, too. But all of these races that, to be honest, I had ignored in the past, like school board, um, county commission, city council. They're so vitally important for your everyday life. I mean, you don't have to look farther than Nampa. They're banning books right now. There was a far right takeover of a school board there, and there's literally book bannings happening. I mean, like, th- this stuff matters. And those elections have such low turnout usually that if people get organized and turn out, they can make a difference. So, I would say, you know, whatever your viewpoint is, maybe take stock of the elections that you haven't really thought about or maybe don't even know about. Like, there's library boards that are elected. I didn't actually know that until I started doing the podcast. So, so see 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 what local boards uh, you can vote on, and definitely do you do your homework and and check it out because those uh, those people might have more of an impact on your life and your kids' life than any other politician out there.
0: Very well said. Heath Druzen and Jimmy Dawson, thank you so much for coming on CityCast Boise to break down the very nuanced uh, world of Idaho politics. And can't wait to have you both on the podcast again soon.
2: Thanks, Frankie. Thanks a lot, Frankie.
0: And kudos to everyone who exercised their right to vote last month. According to the Idaho Capital Sun, we beat voter turnout records for midterm primary elections dating back to 1994. Even still, Ada County's turnout was only about 32%, while Canyon County came in a little under 28%. So be sure to update your address if you've moved since last election. We'll put a link in the show notes to make that the easiest thing you'll do today. Here's hoping we see higher engagement in the general election this November. All right, that's it for today. If you're enjoying CityCast Boise, can you do me a favor? Tell a friend about us. Word of mouth in this town goes a long way. And don't forget to subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back on Thursday with more local stories. See you then.